Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Hope everyone has had a great weekend. Hope everyone enjoyed watching the Super Bowl and had some fun Super Bowl parties. We've got some good stories to go over this week. Uh, a lot around this AI war that is heating up. A lot of AI competition. We've got some news coming out of China. One of their large uh, search companies is launching their chat GPT rival. Uh, we've got a lot of things heating up between Google and Microsoft. And we also have a little app harvest update. Um, they're issuing some new stock and we want to talk about that. But before we do that, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, so the first sponsor that I want to give a shout out to is KY Innovation. Uh, so KY Innovation has supported us uh, for the past uh, two years now. They've been a great partner and they have some awesome programs for entrepreneurs in Kentucky. So we're always happy to highlight them and point entrepreneurs in their direction. Uh, Evan has taken advantage of taken advantage of those programs through his startup Simba. Um, I know always hear lots of good praise from the programming over there. So if you're an entrepreneur in Kentucky, be sure to check out their programs. And Evan, uh, would you mind talking about Bolt Marketing? Yeah, for sure. Bolt Marketing, local marketing agency run by our friend Chase Fairchild, and they help companies with their marketing. So many small businesses and founders are great at building their company, building their products uh, with their expertise but they might not be the best at marketing. Bolt helps companies bolster their branding, their social media, their video, whatever it might be. Go see Chase and the team at Bolt if you need help with your marketing. Absolutely. All right. Uh, did you watch the Super Bowl last night? What do you uh, think? I did. Uh, I thought the game was great uh, up until the last two minutes. Is the uh, NFL rigged? No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, I don't have any conspiracy theories like that. But uh, I thought um, that was... Terrible call uh, there at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think you can call the Super Bowl like that on something small. And uh, the commercials were terrible. Uh, I think the commercials are getting worse and worse. <laughs> you know, I could talk on and on about. Uh, I think that they're just focusing too much on celebrities and not like good creative uh, commercials. Like where the, you know, they had the E-Trade babies, they brought them back. Mm. Those are some classics. But I feel like the commercials are more about these celebrities than they are about like just creativity and the brands. Yeah. The one thing I noticed about commercials is I feel like last year's Super Bowl was the Super Bowl of crypto ads. This year, the trend I saw was lots of brands announcing EVs. Uh, so I saw there's a Jeep EV ad, there's a Ram EV ad, there's like a GMC mixed with Netflix EV ad saying that they're going to start yeah. using more EVs in their in their uh, shows and movies. So which kinda, that one was, again, more about Will Ferrell than it was about the cars. I liked that one. I thought that was funny. I, uh, like, I love Will the Ferrell. Ram, America Ram loves was, celebrities. What do you expect? No, well, <laughs> that's not. The Super Bowl commercials are supposed to be more about creative and funny than I, I highlighting a celebrity. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Um, the halftime show? Rihanna. She still got it. Is I, she pregnant? You know, sometimes you, yeah, she is. Sometimes you forget about how many hits she has. You know, it's, She does, it's yeah. She's a boss. Um, let's go over some events real quick. I know we've been hitting on these the past few episodes, but we just want to make sure that the community is aware of some great events coming up. Evan, I'll let you lead that off with the event that you're featured in with Startup Grind. Yep. So Startup Grind in Louisville uh, is February 15th, so the day after Valentine's. It's at 1020 Craft Brewery in Butchertown. Uh, Lisa Bajornas will be interviewing me just talking about you know my experience uh, building Simba, uh, Middle Tech, and just my thoughts on the ecosystem overall. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Next one is Five Across, put on by our friends at Awesome Inc. That is going to be Wednesday, February 22nd. Uh, that's going to be from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Five entrepreneurs will pitch their businesses for five minutes apiece. 
for $5,000 prize. Uh, and that's, I believe, a, a safe note from uh, Keyhorse Capital. Yep. Um, the next event is going to be the Develop Likes Happy Hour that our, our uh, sister brand is putting on. That is going to be uh, Saturday, February 25th. That is going to be at a Constitution Speakeasy. So brand new speakeasy that's opening up in town. Uh, we're covering the first $250 of that bar tab. That'll start at 5 p.m. on that Saturday. And then last one here, uh, we have an event that we're partnering with Commerce Lex's Emerging Leaders Program on uh, to interview Twyman Clements of Space Tango. Uh, we're doing that in the Planetarium at the Living Arts and Sciences Center on February 27th uh, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So uh, with that one in particular, that is a private event. So we have, I think, one or literally one or two more spots that we can offer to our listeners. Uh, reach out to us if you'd like to attend that one. Um, and then one last reminder before we dive into these stories, uh, be sure to subscribe to our channel, hit that notification bell, uh, follow us at Middle Tech Pod across all socials um, so you can keep up with what's going on in the middle tech world. Now, let's dive into some of these stories. We mentioned that the AI war is heating up. Uh, and as Google, we mentioned last week that Google was launching their rival to ChatGPT. They did so in a live demo. Uh, it messed up. The, the uh, chatbot did and said something that was factually incorrect, which is not a huge surprise for these models. Even ChatGPT does that. But it erased about $100 million of market cap uh, from Google's, uh, Google's uh, market cap. Um, so Evan, give us a little overview of the story, your take on it. Let's, let's dive into some of these AI stories and what's going on in the space right now as competition really ramps up. Yeah. Um, so to be specific, uh, somebody asked from the Google team, uh, what discoveries from the James Webb telescope can I tell my nine-year-old about? Uh, and I came back and said that the telescope took the very first pictures of exoplanets or planets, which not is true. not correct. Um, so these models, you know, they're, they're not going to be perfect. Uh, the brands that are using these models need to make it clear that they're not. Um, this was unfortunate for Google because it was during you know a live demo where they were showing off their tech. Everybody was expecting it to be you know next level, better than ChatGPT. At least people were hoping it was. Uh, it turned out it it doesn't look like it is. Um, my thoughts on this, and I like yours, Logan, but. I think for one, uh, consumers just need to know and be educated on the fact that uh, these models aren't going to be perfect. Uh, they're just basically scraping the entire internet for answers and mm -hmm. using a predictive model to put out what it thinks is the best answer. And the way I personally think about interacting with these tools um, is it's like having a dialogue with a friend or the internet. And you know that the internet is not full of factual correct information. So it's going to give you stuff back that is not correct. You know, there's not many places you can go on the internet and have a dialogue yeah. or anybody you can talk to in real life and have a dialogue when everything they say is factual. So that, that's how to think about this is, is in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, I think the live demo screw up is only kind of part of the story here for why uh, investors got a little spooked by this. I think one, it just is, it shows as a little bit of a sign of weakness as they go up against Microsoft in this space. But two, I think that investors are, are likely a little bit more worried about how this is going to disrupt Google's current business model. This is something Evan and I have talked about for a while. And something that I'm really paying attention to right now is the downstream effects of, you know, Google's business model, this ad, ad, digital ad business model that has made them so much money over the years. There are so many other businesses that rely on that uh, to provide them them revenue, whether it's you know affiliate marketing with, uh, let's say, a, a good example that I heard um, Microsoft CEO talking about was, let's say you search 
top 10 TV brands. Uh, a lot of the websites that exist that list out those brands are making money by driving consumers to them, having a list that informs you know, top TV brands, and then driving consumers to those websites where they can purchase that. If you're just able to you know, have, a, uh, have AI give you that list rather than one of these websites, uh, how do these publishers, how do these websites ultimately make money? Because the, the information is still out there that they put out there. So that's something I'm paying attention to. That's something I'm directly involved in with the startup that I'm with, Sales River. We see a lot, you know, a lot of that business is, is driven based off the digital ad space. So I just think there's going to be a lot of downstream effects of that. I don't know if you've been paying much attention to what's going to go on there, if you have a take on that, Evan. But that's, uh, I think that's the biggest risk to Google right now is all of this is just really putting their, uh, their current business model under threat. Yeah, it's very disruptive. It's retraining how people interact with the internet. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Bing, who seems to uh, be on top of the ball here and really competing with Google well, when they surface an answer from their chat GPT iteration within Bing, uh, they're giving references that lead out to websites. So they're still, when you ask something, showing you, you know, where on the internet you might find that information so you can go to the webpage but it's not likely that people are going to click on those mm -hmm. unless it's something that they need a correct answer for and they're going to verify their sources. But uh, this is extremely disruptive and you're right. I mean, I think that this is going to really, you know, throw a wrench in the whole advertising space, throw yeah. a wrench in. I mean, you're having a dialogue versus going out and scraping and looking at uh, sources and, yeah. and links. That's, that's a really, that's, this could be one of the biggest, behavioral changes on the internet we've, we've ever seen. Yeah. And it's like mobile at the same time, there's all the antitrust stuff going on with Google's ad business in the first place. So it's just, uh, it's, it's really no surprise that investors are taking one little thing like this screw up on the live demo and letting it spook them a little bit because there's just so, so much tied into what could happen if, if we truly switch over to this way yeah, of, I, of collecting information on the internet. One way to think about how big of a change this is that, you know, you, we went from computers being desktop based and then we went to mobile and that totally changed everybody's behavior that changed the UX of every app. Mm -hmm. uh, this is like a third platform shift. Um, the way to think about this, it's not necessarily a hardware shift. Uh, it's more of a, a software shift and um, it's, it's of that level of web to, to mobile. Yep, for sure. And I think that's a, a good transition to this next story because uh, in China, um, China's largest search company, uh, which has been kind of outcompeted by these apps like TikTok, uh, ByteDance rather, that are taking that more um, mobile approach. They are now launching their own um, ChatGPT rival. So now we see not only is this happening in America, this is starting to spill out internationally. Uh, we're going to start seeing some competition heat up across the pond as well. Um, so Baidu is, uh, like I said, it's a search giant just like Google is in America. That's what exists over in China, controls a lot of China's internet along with Companies like Tencent, um, ByteDance, those sorts of things. Um, Baidu is now coming in and taking essentially the same approach that uh, the OpenAI did, taking a large uh, language model. I believe that is called the Ernie system, uh, large-scale machine learning model um, that's been trained over several years, and they're launching a chat GPT rival based off of that. So, Evan, when you see a story like this, uh, what are your initial reactions to it as you see uh, other countries really starting to invest in this technology as well? Yeah, I'm curious to know the details about uh, what the model is trained on uh, and what they have access to train it on. So China's big disadvantage is that they have walled themselves off from the rest of the internet. Mm. 
Google and, and Microsoft and these other players have users around the world. Uh, and China has, you know, like I said, walled themselves off. And so the users of Baidu, you know, are primarily going to be um, China, people in China. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that that's not good for the model. You know, if those people in China want uh, answers about other parts of the world or about other perspectives uh, from this model, they're, they're probably not going to get it. So I'll, I'll be curious to know what it's trained on. Um, that is a big disadvantage. You know, I think everybody looks at China and says they have a major advantage from, from a data perspective. And in some senses, they do with their government being so controlling mm. over some aspects of information. Um, they'll have an advantage. But overall, if you're looking for a good, well-balanced you know, model that is understanding of the majority of the world versus just one country, uh, I have a feeling they're going to be at a, a massive disadvantage, which is, again, when it comes to artificial intelligence like this, it's it's not good. Hmm. That's an interesting take. I, I would have probably initially thought the opposite of because China's government is so controlling and it's it's really a walled garden over there that that would have helped at least with the data set that they could train on. But I definitely see that perspective as well. Well, it's all about how many like parameters can you, can you push right. through it and right. how much data can you feed it to learn from. And if they only have data from within their own country, then it's a very limited model. Yeah. It's, I think my perspective on, on seeing other countries start really pushing for this, I think this is only going to heat up, grow exponentially from here because I feel like these countries are seeing this race to an artificial general intelligence, similarly to how it was viewed during the nuclear arms race. The first country that can achieve artificial general intelligence is going to have a massive, massive advantage. Uh, so, well, and I think about it this way, it's a communist country. And if people in China are interacting with only their slice of the internet, and now all of a sudden they're getting direct answers versus mm. results, yep. I, they could even want to rebel more. You know, if the government mm. controls something where you get a direct answer, it's, it's worse than if you get a list of links in my mind, if you're yeah. a Chinese person and you're somewhat upset about the fact they control your experience on the internet, you're going to be even more upset when they just give you one answer and you're not sure if it comes from the government or it comes from yeah. an internet result. Um, you know, I have a feeling this is maybe going to cause even more uh, disruption to, you know, their culture. Yeah. I feel like we've already kind of seen uh, more disruption that we're, than we're used to from China during all of the zero COVID policy lockdowns. We start seeing protests. Um, so it'll be something interesting to kind of watch as we enter into this kind of age of AI, this AI revolution seems like there's new there's some new significant news coming out about this literally every day it seems like it's it's pretty crazy um, some of that news uh, another story that we wanted to touch on is um, Bing and Microsoft Edge so we've reported that Microsoft has announced that they're going to integrate OpenAI ChatGPT into their search into their browser uh, respectively Bing and Microsoft Edge uh, that has now um, started taking effect so they released their blog saying, here's exactly what this is going to look like. Here's what it's going to be able to do. They released a wait list and gave some users early access to it. Uh, and all sorts of things have kind of transpired since that happened. First thing I want to hit on is this blog that Microsoft put, up, put out that kind of details what it'll be like using this new Bing, this new search feature. Because Evan and I both said this is going to change the way that we interface with the internet, the way that we get information from the internet. So a couple of the things that just kind of jumped out to me as they're describing how this software is going to work, um, they uh, they lay out here more complete answers. Uh, so I want to hit on that one for a second because this is like the mecca to me of of improving the way we get 
uh, information from the internet. So it says Bing reviews results from across the across the web to find and summarize the answer you're looking for. For example, you can get detailed instructions for how to substitute eggs for another ingredient in the cake you're baking right in that moment without scrolling through multiple results. So when you think of like Googling something, what they're saying here is like, rather than having to go and click through links and read the article, now this new supplementing search with AI, you're going to be able to just have a summary of the question that you're asking rather than having to go through and find that information yourself, which will be a really powerful thing. And that'll just, it just, uh, it decreases the latency between having the thought of a question in your head and getting that answer. You're just going to be able to get things a little bit quicker. The other thing that stood out to me is this creative spark part. Uh, and this one, this particular point stood out to me because I love travel so much. It says, let's say uh, you need, you need an answer, but you need some inspiration. You can ask it to, you know, create an itinerary for you to Hawaii, for example. Uh, and then it can put, can pull up links to book your travel and accommodation. Um, that one seems a little further fetched to me, but good Lord, if they can pull that off, that'll be really, really sweet. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's far fetched when there's so many lists on the internet about what to do in Hawaii and they summarize them and just rank them Give based on what each list puts in, you know, yeah, that's not sick. that hard of a, I feel like that's not that hard. I mean, yeah. think about when we, when we were playing our trip to Costa Rica, I mean, we went to a lot of sites, we watched a lot of YouTube videos, just looking for that list and trying to summarize it ourselves. And, you know, we spent a couple yeah. hours doing that. So I wonder if it'll be like, uh, so like Google Chrome, you have your profile on it. You can, you can kind of like customize your experience on Chrome. I think the ultimate iteration of this is the AI gets to know you, you know, intimately, like it knows what type of experiences that you like. So when you say, Hey, I'm looking for an adventure vacation of some sort, I want to go to this part of the world, help me decide where I need to go and help me book that trip. And then it can know exactly, okay, Logan likes to ski, Logan likes to whitewater raft, Logan likes to hike, and it'll help you, you know, find that trip that is, is truly suited for you or whatever the experience is. I mean, that's just one use case. Yeah. This just um, seems like such a cool advancement and in, in search and the way it that we'll interface with with the internet yeah so like the whole complete answers thing and like diving deep and summarizing topics on the internet uh i've been doing this with simba where i'll act like i'm interacting with an ai real estate agent to see how effective this is and start to understand the threat for professional services like real estate agents attorneys mm. um you know if you work in a professional services industry like real estate if you're an attorney um, you know, you need to be really, really scared, honestly, like this is, this is game changing for anything where there's like a lot of knowledge out there, a lot of language based, uh, professions. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowledge you know, and language based yeah. Yeah, knowledge, knowledge workers. Um, again, when that's summarizing stuff like this on the internet, you need yeah. to be scared. Now, one thing to consider is that Microsoft, I think is doing a great job of frame this as a co-pilot. Yeah. You know, but, I love that phrasing. But the thing is that a lot of people are probably going to delay when they reach out to a professional. Uh, you know, you might, when you're going to look for a home or you're learning about how to buy a home, you might go straight to a professional. But if you know that this exists, you might interact with this up until the last minute. Yeah. And, you know, you might, and this will probably get to the point where you don't maybe need to talk to a professional and you'll basically get routed to a professional version of, these models that, you know, are niche to a, a, an industry, yeah. you know, so you might start your conversation on, on Bing and start asking legal questions. And then one of the results will lead you to um, a very niche model with proprietary data that uh, is basically an AI attorney. And then you'll finish your journey about whatever you're questioning uh, related to law with that model. 
Um, so I would imagine that at some point, these models will start to interact with each other and then it'll just spit you off to one that knows better answers than the general model. Yeah. Um, and you know, th that's how I envision this happening when it comes to professional services. Yeah. And I think just to put a, a cap on that point that you just mentioned there being, you know, if you're in one of these industries, um, I don't like the idea of like, you should be scared. I think that you should be learning as much as you can right now. Cause we're in a, we're in a sweet spot. Like for example, some, one of our friends that, uh, is an attorney up in York. Uh, he has like literally made himself so much more efficient by just learning how to use ChatGPT in his job. So I would say rather than, I mean, you should definitely just be paying attention. Like you should know how you're going to need to adapt into the future once you understand how this technology is going to change your your career well, your career path. Well, fear is what drives adoption. Fear is what drives adoption. So that's for sure. that's how you need for, for sure. For you sure. need to be fear. You need to be fearful. If you're not fearful, like you're not going to have yeah. enough urgency to like learn about this stuff. For sure. For sure. I think fear is definitely going to be what drives understanding of it. Um, but yeah, anyway, to put a cap on that story, one last thing that I wanted to mention with this this whole idea of being introducing uh, introducing um, AI to its search is that <laughs> that's caused Bing to jump from like number 125 on the App Store all the way up to, I think it was number 12 on the App Store as of the writing of this article um, that we're citing here and number three on the, uh, on the utility apps. So and what we're seeing here is people are people are paying attention and people are understanding, I think, the significance of what this is going to become. I mean, it's been a viral sensation here. I think a lot of people are are grasping how this is going to change the way they interface with the Internet. And we're seeing that uh, we're seeing that evidence in, you know, things like a 10x increase in downloads for for Bing and for Microsoft yeah. Edge. We, we talked about this briefly the other night and I compared this to uh, electricity. Mm. Uh, this yep. is no different than electricity. Uh, it's just going to run in the background. It's going to power our apps. It's going to power new experiences that we interact with every day. Uh, we will interact with artificial intelligence, you know, as much as we do electricity, which is throughout the entire day. Every, you know, every app is going to incorporate language models, incorporate these predictive models, generative uh, AI will, will be a part of every app we use. And it's going to be no different than uh, electricity. It's going to be utility. We're going to pay for it. And little microtransactions, just like we do electricity, um, and it's just going to run through you know, our daily lives. That's what this is going to become. I agree. I agree. I think we'll look back on it and we'll, we'll be like, what did we do before we had this AI co-pilot? Co It'll be like, we, you know, you really don't remember, which all of us are of the age where we don't remember life before the internet, but same kind of deal. It's introduced and it's going to be <laughs> near impossible to, to want to go back. Um, all right, let's move on to this next story. So we're out of the, the AI conversations here, a local story for you guys, just a, an update about App Harvest. Uh, they are um, issuing some new stock. So Evan, you are kind of our in-house finance guy. Uh, I'll let you summarize the story and then we'll, we'll give our takes on it and discuss some of the details around this. Yep. So they're issuing uh, $40 million worth of stock, a uh, dollar each. So they're issuing about 40 million shares. Uh, this is uh, diluting uh, investors that have already kind of been crushed by the stock. Uh, the... Uh, what was it? W uh, news station that we got this source WBRD, from. WBRD, I think. Yeah. Like um, so Charlie Moyer, who is a finance professor at the University of Louisville, frames this as a, a Hail Mary. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, so, I mean, they're they're basically on the on the brink of of bankruptcy. They're trying to make sure that they have enough cash to run throughout the rest of the year um, to fund their operations. Um, 
you know, they've been burning a lot of money, but that's a lot of uh, what it takes to build these facilities. And um, they framed it as we're going from, you know, construction and development mode to now operating and trying to reach profitability. Um, and they need, you know, money to kind of reset and get to that point. Um, although um, I think the Hail Mary again is, is a good way to frame this. Um, I've kind of got two thoughts. I think there's two ways to look at App Harvest, uh, you know, both in hindsight and kind of how do you look at the situation currently uh, if you're judging, you know, if you're part of the people that are considering buying, you know, this stock uh, that they're issuing, you know, here's a couple ways to think about this. Um, if you look at their historical performance and their ability to operate, um, it, it's just not good. Um, and so I kind of look at this in two ways. Um, one, uh, they're a startup and they're going to make startup mistakes. Uh, and that, that's what startups do. And so you need to be gracious from that standpoint. Um, and if you look at it from that standpoint, you probably should also believe that they should not have been allowed to go public at all. I agree. You know, I think yeah. the SPAC movement is going to be looked at as, um, you know, I don't know the right word for it. I don't want to say um, it's, it's on the level of crypto, uh, but it is, it is somewhat... Um, on that level because it happened in a time when there was just so much liquidity. Um, there was so much uh, time that people had to just invest in things that they didn't know anything about. Um, and, and App Harvest falls underneath that. Um, this is uh, a company that doesn't belong in the public markets. And the public markets you know, are not a way for people to just um, raise money for ideas like this. It's supposed to be, uh, especially when retail investors are getting involved, um, a forum where these companies go to market um, and go public through very well-known institutions that are rather trusted. Now, do, the, do a lot of companies that go public fail and do people lose money? Absolutely. But typically companies this early in their life cycle, especially basically pre-product and pre-revenue, um, don't get to go public. And I, and I think that this company never should have gone public. So again, that's the first way to look at this is this is a startup. Be gracious because they're going to make mistakes and that's what startups do. Um, but again, they shouldn't have gone public. Um, the other way to look at this, um, and this is kind of the more negative uh, framing of this, um, is it was just this was all inappropriate uh, from the beginning. This borderline negligence. You know, if you look at um, their estimates and what they actually hit as far as numbers go, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if people look at this and uh, want to sue them. You know, it's already happening. Um, but you know, when you have uh, projections of revenue coming in at $62 million for the year of 2022, but the actual was about $14 million, you know, th that's unacceptable. And I think you look at that and say people were making up numbers. Um, and then also same with their losses, you know, they projected a loss of 24 million and ended up being about 108. Um, so, you know, th those numbers aren't even close. And so if you're an investor, uh, how do you trust them to want to buy more stock um, like this? Um, so that, that's kind of the more negative approach of this. Again, I'm as a startup founder, I'd rather look at this and say, this is a company still trying to figure it out. Um, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Um, but I think those are the only two ways you can look at this. There's really not a super positive spin on this. Yeah, I think it all just kind of comes back to the SPAC movement for me. I think we're going to look back at that and be like, what the hell were we thinking at this period in time? I think that's just one of the zero interest rate phenomenons that we saw. And essentially what that did, you know, Evan's talking about it operating like a startup. Those two things are misaligned. You're not supposed to be a public company if you're startup-esque and you have not figured things out and figured out how to, you know, essentially be a profitable company. I know we still see companies that are not profitable going public, but essentially what you're doing, if it's still a startup, is you're 
as a retail investor, you're now taking on the risk, uh, even at a disadvantage to what a VC would be. You know, a VC is going to get better terms than if you're buying it from a public offering like what they did. Uh, so I think it's just something that needs to, I think the government needs to step in and say SPACs can't be a thing because it's just a way to go public without the normal scrutiny of, you know, going public the traditional route. Yeah. So it's a, I think it's a phenomenon that we're going to see stay in kind of that zero interest rate era that we saw during COVID and honestly, good riddance. It's, it's allowed for, I mean, App Harvest is not the only one that's done this. There's, you know, hundreds of companies that, that went public via SPAC and then just got destroyed yeah. in the public markets. I'll be curious who ends up buying these shares. Um, you know, there's a reason that they're, they're issuing shares. They're not, you know, dipping back into debt markets. They're not dipping, you know, back into, um, private equity, for instance, or, or any of these other um, channels of raising money, you know, I'll be curious if they do any more um, leasebacks or if they, you know, liquidate certain assets, you know, that was mentioned that they, they could do. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how they raise additional funds. But I'll be curious, you know, who is buying these shares? Um, is it going to continue to be retail investors that, you know, are buying into this environmental ESG movement? Um, you know, I think, unfortunately, for environmentalists that, you know, want to have some kind of activist and social responsible, socially responsible investing, you know, I think what we saw coming out of COVID was, you know, it's very vulnerable investors, you know, they're investing based on, you know, ideals versus, you know, balance sheets. And, you know, that's a vulnerable place to be. And it turned out that they got burned. So I'm be curious who buys at this time, is it going to be that same group of people? Um, or is it going to be a uh, different uh, group that you know, might have some other motive to invest in this, but there's not really a motive from an execution standpoint to mm. to buy this company. So yeah. I don't I don't know who's going to be in the market for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. So this public offering, I think that I saw the share price was going to be set at a dollar. I mean, it's compared to what that went, what it went public at. It was around like thirty dollars or something like that. Well, no, I mean, it, I know it's not comparable, but just yeah, to see like where they're like valuing 40, the company now versus forty dollars. That's yeah, crazy. Point, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and then just to kind of recap some of the recent updates we've made uh, about App Harvest lately, this is just kind of the latest in them trying to not run out of cash, essentially. So back in December, we talked about them um, selling its Berea facility in a sell leaseback transaction for $125 million, uh, to Master Darties, which is their, their distributor. Um, so just kind of the latest saga in them trying to stay afloat, keep cash coming into the business. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. One, one maybe positive comparison here. Uh, is, you know, Tesla went through similar, you know, they almost went bankrupt several times during the downturn in 2008, 2009, around that time frame. Mm -hmm. uh, another big, highly uh, capital intensive project. Uh, however, um, that is a totally different scenario where there's a lot more demand for their product. They had way more control over their supply chain, over their distribution of their product uh, margins. You know, Tesla had way more control over that situation. But you know, if you study business at all, you know, many companies come to the brink of uh, failure and bankruptcy, and um, hopefully they can come out the other side. Yeah, I think to end this story, uh, as we always like to do, just end it on a positive note, we are in no way rooting against App Harvest. We're just trying to provide transparent updates of what's going on with this company. It'd be incredible if they managed to turn it around. Um, we're just trying to be real about it. So that's the latest App Harvest update. Moving on to our last segment here which is AI Edge, um, giving you tips to gain an edge, gain an advantage with AI, with artificial intelligence. Uh, this week, we talked a ton about the headlines that are going on in the space, so we won't have any headlines to summarize uh, other than the ones that we discussed. But we do have one tip of the week 
for how to use ChatGPT uh, to summarize articles and even books. Uh, or uh, even if it's like a jargon-heavy um, document of some sort, a legal document, uh, that is one of my favorite ways to use ChatGPT. So um, to give an example of how I use that in my week-to-week -week workflow, especially for middle tech, um, let's say we have a podcast that we recorded, we transcribe all of our podcasts. What I can do is go and take that transcription, copy that, paste it into ChatGPT, and say, write podcast description about this episode. And it does that excellently. Uh, so also a good way to do that is if you're you know, signing legal documents, you want to know what it's actually saying in plain terms, uh, copy and paste that legal document over into ChatGPT, say, hey, explain this to me like I'm five. And it does a fantastic job doing things like that um, because you're, you're giving it you know, that, that prompt that already has all the information in it. And you're just saying, hey, like restructure this, re-explain re this to me, summarize it. Um, so that's a, a great way for anybody that uh, has to do a lot of reading in their job or has to take long articles or, or books and be able to have a comprehensive understanding of them. Uh, this is just an easy way to have to take that, um, have it kind of digested down into a more digestible summary for you. Yeah. So I did, I, I did that with these. Uh, so App Harvest Stories, whenever they release their uh, 8Ks, whenever they release, you know, any SEC filings, uh, I throw them in chat GPT and say summarize it and it gives me you know, a quick paragraph or a list of what I should know from uh, those filings. So I, yeah. I do that for these updates. I, I keep track of, of companies doing that. Uh, that's a good way to, to learn. Yeah. And we've started doing, you might want to talk about just this AI Edge uh, newsletter that we plan on starting in the blogs. We start doing with it because we use ChatGPT to kind of summarize what we talk about in this section to then create an article that supplements this AI Edge part. So I think that's just an interesting kind of yeah. thing to discuss around it too. Um, other than that, I think that's all we got for you guys this week. So short AI edge, but, uh, try it out. Let us know how it works for you. I think it could really uh, benefit a lot of people in a lot of different, um, industries. So thank you guys for tuning in. Hope everyone has an awesome rest of their week and we'll see you next week.